0: The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn.
1: Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Irvin Rogers, Chief Information Officer for the state of Ohio. So welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition, our state and local program, Irvin.
2: Thank you for the welcome. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to today's conversation.
1: Well, before we get started on your IT issues and 5G mobile technology and other, other state priorities, our, our listeners especially like to hear about our guest background. Our previous guests, your state CIO colleagues by and large, their backgrounds are all, they're all over the place. Some are fairly predictable, but others, well, less so. For example, Delaware's James Collins started as a dental technician in the Air Force And North Carolina CIO Eric Boyette was the North Carolina DMV director, not CIO, the director. And my favorite last month, the CIO from Massachusetts, my old stomping grounds, we had Kurt Wood in studio who began his career in prison. We got a kick out of that one. But it wasn't as a convict. He was a correctional officer. It made a great headline. That's good news. Yeah, it made a great, great, great headline in the accompanying article. Uh, Your background, I think, is an interesting mix of private and public sector experience. So tell us about your career before your appointment by Governor Mike DeWine. Well, I guess just over seven months ago?
2: That's correct. Um, it, it's been a great ride uh, so far in this particular seat. Um, I've enjoyed every bit of it. Um, I love this job. Um, leading up to this job, I actually started my career um, as a call center uh, technician answering technical calls for EDS at the time. We were supporting uh, the GM client and you know, taking technical calls. So I started um, you know, uh, taking those calls such as, my coffee holder, uh, cup holder isn't working. <laughs> and you know, going to troubleshoot through that, I actually took that call where it was on lines of, you know, we come to find out that actually he, is, he was using his uh, CD-ROM tray uh, for his uh, coffee <laughs> holder and uh, it, it sucked it into the computer. So nevertheless, I needed to dispatch someone to go out and fix that. So uh, that was um, an exciting time. I did that for about three months, and then you know, I decided that I, I really wanted to understand what was behind uh, some of the technology, and that's really where I got my first love for technology. So I joined the uh, uh, project management team uh, for EDS and started to really understand the inner workings of setting up a call center and the technology that supports it. And uh, we were asked to go out and uh, basically set up, Call centers around the state of the United States, for, for uh, across the United States, and in doing so, I got an opportunity to see the West Coast uh, for about three months. I did a stint where I set up a call center for uh, in, in San Jose, um, and and stayed there for about three months. Um, the funny story there is I experienced a uh, earthquake. And I didn't know I had experienced an earthquake. I was driving to work, and there were cars on the side of the road, and you know, um, and people were looking at me like I was crazy. I was still driving down the highway, trying to get to work, and was wondering why the highway was clear. Well, there was a there was a uh, earthquake that was going on at the time. Goodness. Um, but you know, as as I got an opportunity to really mature and uh, you know, um, learn a lot um, at EDS, I decided that I wanted to you know, take that uh, to the next level, and that's when I joined Accenture. And I got a chance to do it globally. I spent time in Hong Kong, Germany, India. Um, you know, started out setting up call centers, but then really played in the uh, CRM, customer relationship management space, where I was a part of a specialized team uh, that kind of parachuted in to rescue, save projects, um, and work with uh, C-suite uh, individuals, uh, everything from a CIO to a CEO to CFO. Um, and that's when I was like, you know what? I, I wanna be a CIO. So I, I had set my heart desire to become a chief information officer back then. And uh it was something I just never let go of. While I was at Accenture I had desires to be a partner and uh you know, when you have three kids, a wife and a dog, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily match up with um uh living the suitcase life from uh Monday through a Saturday. So um, I decided, uh, along with my wife, because she was actually traveling at the same time, that uh, we would uh, move to a small town called Columbus, Ohio. And when I announced it to my friends, they were shocked and in awe because they were like, you're moving to like this cow town, this, you know, what what what's going on? You know, of all the choices that you had, because at the time I had offers for, on the West Coast. All my prior clients at Accenture uh, wanted me to come on board, but um, I joined a um, mid-region uh, bank here uh, that was headquartered here called Huntington National Bank. And um, I got the opportunity to, to really understand the financial banking uh, services by leveraging the consulting background uh, that I gained from not only EDS, but at Accenture. Uh, so my career has really been a combination of combining um, multiple transfer- transferable skills to, you know, establish what I have today at Huntington, I got an opportunity every two years, kind of like a consultant life, to switch industries um, and, and segments, um, supporting everything from retail to uh, commercial to that of, um, lastly, HR. And um, there came a point where I wanted to go back and relive that dream of being a, a CIO. So I hired a career coach. And through that career coach um, experience, uh, Florence Latham, she, she basically helped me come up with a game plan that um, – helped me to envision what it would look like and what was I willing to give up. And uh, going through a uh, leadership program called African-American Leadership Academy, I realized that, uh, you know, I was getting in the way of myself. And uh, with her guidance and and leadership, uh, we were able to come up with a game plan and uh, when the Time came that said, you know, hey, we're 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 going to go in a different direction and downsize. Um, and your position has been eliminated. I took the the package and I didn't look back. And I joined uh, two two months later, the attorney general's office. Where that was my first real government experience. I had done some consulting um, at Accenture uh, for the state of Michigan, but uh, had never been necessarily sitting in the uh, the seat uh, from a, from a government standpoint.
1: So when you when you got involved with the AG's office, did you start there as CIO, or was it another type position before the CIO position? <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, that's, that's a great point. I'm glad you asked that question. I actually started as a deputy CIO or strategy and communication. They got me on the title alone um, <laughs> and it was enough to pique my interest. Um, they gave me everything I wanted and then some. So I said, man, there's got to be something to this. So I wanted to give it a try and I, I got an opportunity to give back as well. Um, when I got my first taste of actually seeing the work that I was doing and see how, saw how it was a, impacting the actual citizens, it was life-changing, and I wanted more. Uh, four months as being deputy CIO, an opportunity came up for me to actually take the big seat, and I took over, um, you know, um, after having a conversation with uh, then Attorney General uh, Mike DeWine uh, to come aboard uh, with um, Cure um Kathleen, and team um, to be the chief information officer. Um, never forget that conversation with Mary Mertz and, and team, and uh, it, it was a A great ride for those four years. Uh, Lots of exciting things that we did for the community Uh, from a law enforcement standpoint, from a legal standpoint, uh, you know, collecting uh, collections here in Ohio, the Attorney General's office is a little different. Um, Not only are we responsible for being the Attorney General being the uh, top cop and the top lawyer, but we also had responsibility for collecting debt on behalf of uh, state agencies. So we collected over $450 million annually And um, I made it a point to make sure that the technology was sound from a security standpoint and the business could focus in on on the business area. And and during my tenure as CIO, we made that target uh, for the first time every single year for three years in a row, which was uh, outstanding not only for uh, the citizens of Ohio, but um, for my team um, that actually, you know, pull together to uh, make that happen.
1: Yeah, and then, of so course, then, uh, your uh, your boss, the AG, DeWine, runs for governor, and last November was elected. So certainly that uh, provided an additional opportunity for you, I guess, didn't it?
2: It, it sure did. You know, um, it was along the lines of I got the call from him and said, "Urban, we got a big job for you. We want you to come on board. And without question, I uh, said, I'm, I'm on board. Let's go and this has been one of the most thrilling, um, exciting positions um, that I've ever had in in, in my career so far. So I'm blessed and and, and honored to have uh, this position.
1: What's the biggest difference between being the AG CIO and being the state CIO?
2: Uh, Major, major differences, (laughs) not only from a budgetary perspective, uh, going from managing 50 million, uh, but now I'm responsible for half a billion dollars Of direct direct spend, and um, you know, at the attorney general's office, I had responsibility for you know, I had everything right there, all developers to you know, desktop support to you know, you name it, everything was right there for me to, to. make the job happen, whereas here, everything is much more federated, uh, where I'm centrally uh, located for you know, making sure that uh, we take advantage of um, combining, consolidating services from an infrastructure standpoint um, so that we increase the state's buying power and also helping to run uh, enterprise-wide um, applications that span across multiple agencies. So, the breadth of responsibility is far greater and um, very enriching.
1: Uh, Irvin, we're going to take a short break now. Our guest today is Irvin Rogers, CIO for the state of Ohio. You're listening to Ask the CIO SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. While recent
0: temperatures here have been extreme, cities around the world are getting warmer, not only because of climate change, but because urban infrastructure creates and traps heat. There are ways we can counter the effects of warming in cities, like painting roofs white to reflect heat. But modeling studies by Matei Georgescu, an urban planning expert at Arizona State University, reveal such methods won't work well everywhere. Geography matters, and so local solutions are just that. They're local solutions, and not one-size-fits-all solutions. For example, those white roofs cause heaters to work harder in the winter. And Georgescu says here on the East Coast, decreasing surface warming in the summer also prevents parcels of moist air from rising. By preventing the rising of these air parcels, you're going to have less cloud formation and eventually less precipitation. Georgescu says further work is needed to understand such trade-offs and to customize solutions. With the National Academy of Engineering, Randy Atkins, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. An interagency group of experts from across the U.S. government dedicated to the safe recovery of Americans held hostage overseas marks its fourth anniversary this summer. The hostage recovery fusion cell housed at FBI headquarters was created to enhance the government's strategic response to international kidnappings. And, says Kieran Ramsey, director of the fusion cell, it aims to better involve the families of hostages in decision making. Have our efforts improved greatly in rescuing and recovering Americans and have our efforts improved greatly in engaging engaging, supporting, and collaborating with families of the victims, absolutely they have. If your summer vacation takes you overseas, Ramsey suggests providing loved ones with your itinerary. You should have the ability to travel and see the world. However, that also means you have to be aware of where you're traveling to, the time that you're traveling, what is going on there. Ramsey also suggests enrolling in the U.S. State Department's Smart Traveler Enrollment Program, or STEP. The free service enables the U.S. Embassy to contact you in emergencies. With FBI this week, I'm Molly Halpern of the Bureau. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission.
1: Welcome back to Ask the CIO SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Irvin Rogers, CIO for the state of Ohio. Irvin, we were just talking about the difference between being a, a large agency, a constitutional officer CIO, and making the transition over to uh, the state CIO position. The catalyst for part of our discussion today was my conversation at the uh, recent NASIO conference here in, outside of Washington with your predecessor and long time, my longtime friend, Stu Davis, who had been one of the longest-serving state CIOs in the country. What was that transition like with him?
2: You know, Stu's a great guy, and um, the transition, he ensured that as he was handing over his baby that, um, you know, it was a smooth transition. Um, you know, once you're in this great NASIO, uh, National Association of State CIOs, you know, it, it, it's more like a brotherhood, sisterhood. Um, you know, it, it's one that you can count on, and uh, he's been very supportive, so um now we're off into the races, and, you know, we're we're working collaboratively together with my new team, brought some folks with me, and um, inherited some folks, and, you know, we gelled very, very quickly, and we're focused in on the next set of goals for this current DeWine Houston administration.
1: Well, he was quite enthusiastic about your appointment and also about Ohio's plan and activities involving 5G, this new next generation of mobile networks beyond the current 4G LTE mobility network environment. You and I spoke briefly about this at NASIO, but today, let's dig a little deeper. Where are you going on 5G? So
2: one thing that I I didn't necessarily mention is we have a platform uh, where in which this administration is really focused in on innovation, and so from an innovation standpoint, uh, we, we have a, a program called Innovate Ohio where in which our lieutenant governor is the chief innovation officer. And I get the the honor and the, the, the privilege of partnering with him uh, on many uh, technology fronts. And so I always get the question along the lines of, you know, well, what's the difference? Well. What I can say is that you know we have made a, a a concentrated effort a very intentional effort to ensure that we have a, a very tight knit uh collaboration partnership. You know they are out focusing on the on the citizens' experience, and we're focusing on the technology, and we meet up uh, from a strategy perspective, and so it makes for the perfect partnership um, as we continue to move forward. And with that being said, uh, we're excited uh, about the uh, state of Ohio getting the capability and Northern Ohio and, and Cleveland to be exact where Verizon and AT&T are planning, uh, their next generation, you know, 5G cellular services to be available by the end of 2019. Um, so we're really excited about that, um, and the possibilities, and we're encouraging them, um, to, you know, uh, be innovative and, and, you know, make us the, 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 most creative state in the Midwest. And part of that is making sure that, you know, we are, uh, in an enabler, uh, of not only people, talent, uh, the state's infrastructure, but also making sure that businesses have access to some of the best technologies um, that, that, that are there. And we're, you know, making sure that we're um, cultivating and making sure that businesses know that this is the place to do business is the great state of Ohio. You
1: yeah. know, the 5G networks could provide broadband speeds, they say, up to 10 to 20 gigabytes per second. That's about 10 to 20 times faster than 4G. And we can imagine smartphones downloading, you know, high-definition movies in less than a second. I won't do it, but I'm sure my kid will. Do you have any pilot initiatives that you're uh, you're planning, or any early adoption?
2: You know, we're 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 working with uh, companies in the Cleveland area, and soon should have some announcements that will be coming out um, out of the innovative. Ohio office. Um, but right now it's just kind of in the planning stage. You know, we're looking at this as a possibility for not only for sailor de- devices, but, you know, we have a lot of smart cars here in Ohio. We have got a Honda um, is here, you know, with their plant and, you know, we've got some GM plants here, et cetera. We have some, uh, you know, smart, city initiatives. Um, and, you know, we've got basically that of the toll um, where we're collecting data on these cars. And we believe that 5G is going to help uh, propel us to be, you know, a state where, you know, we can we can take that ne- te- technology to the next level um, and not only look at it from a, you know, data exchange from a city perspective, but, you know, statewide, right?
1: Mm-hmm. There's also the impact 5G might have on this digital divide. I call it the agony in the ecstasy of broadband connectivity. The ecstasy, of course, is obvious. All these great technical achievements and a promise of a, a future full of wonder, but there's an underbelly and agony revealed by the digital divide. Significant portions of society in, in inner cities and in rural areas are especially are being bypassed or ignored in terms of connectivity. We had a representative from San Jose in here recently and said that 100,000 residents of San Jose and the That's the capital of the Silicon Valley, at least as it builds itself. 100,000 residents, 10% of the population were without broadband at home. That's really significant. How how do you think, based on prior practices, especially in light of the fact that it hasn't been done so far, do you think 5G is going to help do something about this whole uh, terrible digital divide?
2: You know, I, I certainly hope so. Uh, what we're experiencing today is, you know, getting, getting that, that connection out to that last mile. Um, and, you know, not the, the carrier is not necessarily seeing the return uh, of investment, uh, you know, based on the, the, the numbers. But I'm hoping that, you know, with this new 5G uh, technology – that we take that into account. Um, we need to ensure that the technology is in the hands of everybody, uh, because once we do that, we will elevate all boats. Um, you know, if one rises, we all rise, right? And so, I, I think that that's going to be an important piece as we continue to look forward uh, to this new new technology.
1: There are other critical functions where 5G is said will will play a tremendous applicability. Um, aren't there significant applications perhaps unique for public safety and services in that area
2: well you know we we actually have a statewide uh, marks system where you know we're using that for first responders but until the 5g is you know uh, you know because we're looking at gosh probably you know um, a, almost a you know a, a a couple of years before it's fully deployed, right? Um, getting out of the, the, the test beds. But until that time takes place, we have a great asset here in Ohio, one of the largest radio systems uh, that spans across almost 88 of our, our counties. We're probably right around you know 90% of the counties are on this network, which has access to the entire state. From a radio a first responder, uh, all the way down from the, you know, from the state to counties to the locals to the cities, et cetera, uh, local fire chiefs to the volunteers where they can pipe in and be on the same radio system um, or we can put them onto a dedicated channel. So I think we have the capability um, in a different light until 5G uh, matures and, and gets there statewide, countrywide.
1: I know that uh, security has always been a big concern, and we're told that cybersecurity – Uh, Well, the 5G-enabled software-defined network can embed the latest cybersecurity capabilities that can dynamically detect and mitigate known threats and cyber anomalies at the farthest edge of the network. Boy, that would be a big improvement, wouldn't it?
2: That would be a a, a major uh, an improvement. In fact, I was just on a panel earlier today where you know we were talking about you know security, securing of you know not only data but you know making sure that you begin with security in mind um, so that you can end with security in mind. Um, I don't think you know I think we live in a, a society today that we cannot afford to forget um, how important that is and you know making sure we're carrying that message forward not only for at the state level but you know we've got to be very collaborative. And that's one thing that I really applaud the DeWine Houston administration is they're really embracing, you know, reaching out to the locals and, and, and being collaborative in nature.
1: Well now one of the uh, issues involving five G is the uh, is the Federal Communications Commission and the property jurisdiction. I know Ohio must be having the same pains that other jurisdictions are. are. I know, for, for example, uh, Los Angeles, California estimates that there'll be thirty to 50,000 new nodes for 5G. And I'm sure Ohio would need that many and more. Uh, have you, have your, you or your governor taken a position on this?
2: You know, I, I think it's early, right? I, I think we're 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 looking to see what the results are going to be from uh, from the, the test pilots in, in Cleveland, so that we can try and understand how we can uh, work to catch up um, some of the new laws that will need to be put in place in order to support um, uh, from a 5G standpoint. You know, going from 4G to to, to 5G, you're going to need, to your point, a, a lot more uh, touch points. I mean, it's you know, hopefully they're they're small enough where, you know, it's not going to be a nuisance, right? Because I'm, I'm envisioning light poles, buildings, you know, uh, hopefully we don't have to put them on cars, you know what I mean? But yep. it, it's 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 going to be one of those things where we're just going to have to be, you know, very cautious and, and mindful as we continue to kind of play this thing out.
1: Yeah, because there's even, uh, you know, you even see stories every now and then about, about radiation from these things. So there's a number of hurdles still ahead before we're going to see a lot of this, although the the, uh, the, prime, the prime carriers are touting it all the time, but I think the proof's in the pudding, and we'll have to wait a, wait a little while to really see the, the fruit of the vine, so to speak. Uh, we'll have to close on that, and that'll conclude our program today. I want to thank our guest, Irvin Rogers, CIO for the State of Ohio. Irvin, thanks for taking the time to be with us.
2: Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: And thank you all for listening. Content from this state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors, is part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, Sled Edition
0: with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.